Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Borgor. Hey. <laughs> So you were born in Israel, but like not, not in Tel Aviv before you moved there, right? Uh, I was born in Israel, a city called Hulon. Mm -hmm. Moved to Tel Aviv when I was like three years old and then grew up my whole life there. Mm -hmm. And your mom, she did, or did, is she still doing it now, like exporting and importing cosmetics? Yup. Killing it. <laughs> Still killing it. <laughs> Every time I get frustrated with music, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just go work with my mom. <laughs> the family business. <laughs> Dude, she's killing it. She's a, she's a boss woman. She's the Beyonce of Israel. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> I love that. And your dad works for IBM. So. That's also correct. He's a, like a mainframe. Uh, he used to be programmer, now he's just a manager, projects, whatever. And he got you more into like technology and computers initially, right? Um, I think it was just uh, it was it was natural, you know. I grew up in a, you know, we had a computer pretty early. Now also, you know, I always found it like interesting. I was always into it. I don't know. How do you describe your parents? I love them. Best thing ever. That's the you know, that's the thing I'm most blessed about in my whole entire world. How about their personality? My mom's a little bit crazy, my dad's a little bit crazy, but like good crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll do anything for my kids, um, basically, type of situation, scenario. Your mom's kind of the one who makes a lot of the family decisions, right? You said previously. 100%. She's, we're a communist family, <laughs> and my mom is the party leader. Oh my god. Yeah. But back then it was kind of difficult growing up, right? Like the Israel Palestine and then like the your the buses near you, near you were getting bombed uh, and people I mean, with like wherever AKs. you grow as a kid is you just take the scenario for granted it's not like i knew anything else so i was like okay in my normal world buses explode i didn't think anything off it you know i didn't know there's a better option necessarily when you're like 10 years old what the fuck do you know so yeah. Were you so you weren't really <laughs> so you weren't really living in fear? Were your parents kind of protective of you? Um, I I was I was pretty fearless when I was young. My parents obviously were scared, but when you have to go to school, you have to take the bus. Mm. <laughs> There's no like I didn't have a lot of options. Yeah, but um, it was a couple tough years. And honestly, I don't want Israel to be portrayed as uh, there's areas next to my place in Los Angeles that scare me a hundred times more than hanging out in Tel Aviv, you know? Oh, wow. Tel Aviv is super safe right now. Um, yeah, it can be better. Everything can be better. There's Every country has their problems. Uh, there are a lot of things we need to fix in the world. The Israeli-Palestine situation is one of them, you know? It's another thing we need to fix. Mm -hmm. 
And did you grow up with a really strong Jewish household? Uh, super atheist. Mm. Uh, extremely liberal. My parents were both hardcore Jews. Around 17, 18, they started drifting away. When I, when I was young, I didn't, uh, I was like not allowed, not not allowed, but I was like kept away from eating pig. Mm -hmm. And when I grew up a little bit more, I started eating bacon and I don't know, uh, we're pretty far from, we like the religion in, because it keeps the family together. We don't practice it from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. And then your mom sent you at an early age to the really prestigious music school. Like, What made Correct. her want to do that? Um, it's again, my mom's a little crazy. She needs her... She wanted her son to be in the best school in the world. She wanted to, you know, my mom is, she wants the best for her kids, essentially. Um, I didn't think she realized that I'm gonna end up an artist if I <laughs> go to that school. Was it, and so it was an arts-based school? Yeah. And then they wanted you to be a ballet dancer. That's correct. Uh, there's uh, four departments, I think now there's five. Back in the day there was no film department, now there's film department too. Um, it was between it being an actor, musician, painter or ballet dancer. And I wasn't really standing out in anything. <laughs> so they're like, alright, fuck it, let's send him to the ballet <laughs> department. And I was like, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No. Uh, although, looking at it retro retrospectively, I would love to be a ballet dancer. Uh, I don't think I would make too much money out of it, but I would definitely be very fit, very healthy. Are they? Hang out in like some classy, you know, environment. I think, yeah. There's a lot of benefits in being a ballet dancer, you know? <laughs> I would be able to do splits. I would be able to, like, lift people. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, definitely better shape. But your mom wasn't afraid of, like, constraining you to have a career in arts if you started out so young? I think the thing is, it was a private school that uh, everything aside from arts, was in the highest level so she was like, okay the, the kid is gonna play the piano for a couple of years or he's gonna get good education when he's out of school he's gonna get a normal job like a lawyer mm. a doctor or some shit um, but here I am still doing yeah. music you know but even like three or four years into my career I was at dinner with my family and my dad's like oh this shit's cool like, I just played Coachella or some shit. And they'd say, oh, this is cool. When are you going to start your uh, degree? <laughs> when College. are you going to go to university? <laughs> I was like, oh, so about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're totally supportive. They love it. My parents come to a bunch of, like, I would say, like, 10 to 20 shows a year. Super, super love. They love it. Mm -hmm. Super into it. They write notes. 
okay, this and this song, the crowd responded like that. You should do more of this, you should do more of that, maybe, you know. <laughs> so yeah. they're the one behind the scenes. They're the real Borgor. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and then you couldn't really do piano because there were so many pianists already. So they, so you were kind of just given like saxophone. Uh, they wanted me to do, uh, I think, those uh, like less sexy instruments like uh, French horn <laughs> or like a trombone or like a oboe. <laughs> you know, it's... And I was like, yeah, but uh, Bill Clinton's playing the saxophone. Also, uh, Bart Simpson. Yeah, so, saxophone definitely looked cooler as a kid. I wanted to be a drummer, like a bass player, but there was already kids that went dibs on that shit and were pretty incredible for their age. So I just, yeah, picked the saxophone. Mm-hmm. It was good, though. And then at that point, did you see yourself being like a concert, like playing in an orchestra or something? Um, I never thought that saxophone was gonna be my career. Listen, I wasn't a prodigy, you know, and I was growing up with prodigies. Mm, it was competitive. Like people were like super. If you see, if you watch, if you watch the movie Whiplash. That was my whole childhood. Damn. Yeah, so, you know, I wasn't the prodigy. And I just, I didn't have the energy to even try. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. Just doing it for fun, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, the, when, um, when I finished uh, middle school or whatever, and you go to the next school, because I went from one private school to another one. So when I finished the first one, I kind of wanted to give up on music and go into computers and shit. But no high school got me. No high school was into me. So <laughs> I, I, the only high school that accepted me was actually the best high school in Israel <laughs> for arts. Oh. They're the, the only one that accepted me because uh, I was kind of addicted to Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of working on my grades, I was playing Counter-Strike all day. So my grades was kind of shit. <laughs> Music-wise, I was good. But when I finished high school, my uh, my uh, grades were really, really fucking. Uh, no, no. Uh, the, the minister, Ministry of uh, Education in Israel, gave me a, a honorary whatever oh of God. being one of the smartest kids of my year, whatever. I. My, my grades were all very radical up, and I did like, I did like, you can do basic SATs in Israel, and then you can add bonus points, and I added like 25 bonus points, I'm like, whatever. I did like way more than I was supposed to. Yeah. So, so yeah, it went pretty well. And then you did art again in high school, but did you have a concentration? To do what, sorry? You did art again in high school. Yeah. Is Michael Steve Steve Earhart is my coach. Jazz and contemporary music. But I also did a, a double major in computers. Also, I did a mathematics and English. Whatever. Yeah. I did a bunch of shit.
And then was it after that that you had to join the army? Same as what job you Did you have? They did you have? You had a specific role, right? Or uh, I was uh, so after high school, I was kind of tired of uh, the competitiveness of music, and uh, I started climbing. Got really into sport climbing. Oh, like real rocks? Yeah. Oh wow. Super into it, flew to France, fucking lived in a What? fucking forest for a month and a half to just climb. Uh, I was really, really into it. Uh, and I was supposed to be drafted into regular infantry. Um, but then this special unit that teaches uh, the special units how to repel from helicopters and shit like that, they hit me up because Uh, I was in the team of whatever and they whatever and I didn't pass because I fucking <laughs> my social skills were fucking awful <laughs> you know, so yeah again I grew up in a private school bubble I didn't see the real world I never left like all I did was play jazz and hang out with like we, we were born but we were just like imagine a group of like semi-autistic people that study music all day All of a sudden, you throw them to the world and they just, you know, I still struggle. So I didn't pass, but this unit was in a different unit that was uh, just uh, sport trainers or combat trainers or whatever. And I was in pretty good shape. So I became a trainer. And that was your, that was your role. But so did you... That was my job in the army to... Uh, so... They're sitting in a goddamn uh, post somewhere, getting shot at all day. Uh, don't sleep, eat shit food, see their home once in like three, four weeks. And the one, one thing they look forward to is their workouts, because mm. then this usually pretty good looking chick comes off the SUV in really short shorts. Well, hi guys, let's go, you know? This is what they're looking forward to. And uh, the SUV will pull up and then I'll be out there like, yo, what's up guys? <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't sleep and didn't eat and you're super fucked and tired and hate your life, but we're gonna run three miles today. And they was like, they were like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we would end, usually just end up playing FIFA because I was not in the mood to run, they were not in the mood to run. You're the chillest <laughs> trainer. Like, You're like, whatever. Like, Yo, guys, okay, let's just play soccer. Let's play soccer for like 20, 30 minutes and then go play some FIFA. <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> I didn't want to, I, the army sucks, everyone hates it. So you have to survive yeah. together, kind of, you know? Mm. Looking back, what do you feel like you learned from being in the army? Being in a, You know, in like school with really weird people. Uh, I was kind of living in a bubble and uh, the army was, you know, I was dealing with all types of humans that I've never met before, you know? Mm -hmm. The most violence I've ever seen in my school was maybe two kids slightly punching each other. And all of a sudden, uh, I have a program in the army where I help criminals re 
go back to like so they join the army as criminals they go through this program they clean their uh they clean their past because they you know they're usually like uh kids you know it's like juvie kids essentially they go to the army clean their record join uh a normal unit start normal life you know so i was helping in a program like that and i chill with kids they're like yo why are you in this program someone said this shit about my mom so i stopped him 45 times and i have to make four hours conversation with this kid without getting him to stop me over fucking coke you know oh, wow. <laughs> so uh so i don't know i've, I've learned to deal with with the world mm-hmm. you know and it was it was uh, it was tough you know you wake up in the morning you're sick as fuck you cannot get out of bed but if you don't shave clean your shoes clean your gun put on uniforms and stand still at fucking 8 a.m. when the commander wants to check your shit you're going to jail so it you become a fucking takes you from being a spoiled ass fucking private school brat into uh, a man. Yeah. And I said it with a very man voice. <laughs> a man. It just slaps the life into you. Know, mm-hmm. Real life, real world. And then were you starting to find your own music outside of jazz at that point? Um. So I had. I, I had a lot of downtime when I was in the army because uh, there was some operations, so the, the fucking kids are and their kids, you know, the kids are fighting somewhere. <laughs> so you cannot run with them when they're in fucking war. Uh, uh, or whatever decent that reasons, we could not like. We could not train regularly, so I had a little downtime. Um, and my friends from high school, actually from uh, from the arts department, one of my friends was uh, a metal guitar player, and I was super into metal. We were like we were going to metal shows together. But uh, yeah, obviously he didn't pick music because he was a he, he's a great artist. Now he's about to be a great architect, whatever. Mm. Uh, he was like, yo, let's do a cover band for uh, At The Gates and Lamb of God. We need a drummer. You'll pick it up. So I started going to uh, the army with sticks and double pedal. Mm-hmm. And just like for eight hours, just sit there, just uh, practicing to go fast as fuck. <laughs> uh, and I uh, became a pretty decent drummer. We did like uh, whatever we did. And... Uh, on the side, I started like producing some electronic music, which is something that I started already in high school, but I just had more time. I was in the army. I had nothing to do. I was sitting there with my laptop and making beats or whatever. I stumbled upon dubstep. Like we would be out home every second week for the weekend. And uh, I went to this bar like around 2006, 2007. And I used to go to a hella like techno house 
drum and bass. I didn't even know the genres. I just knew I liked the environment. Mm. So whatever the promoter would bring, I would, you know, whatever parties were, I would go. And it's, uh, I just like the basement, super dark, electronic music with no lights. Everyone's, it's the scene that I liked, you know, it's the people that I liked, whatever. Um, so I got, in, this is how I got into electronic music. And one time there was just dubstep, which was like, oh shit, this is like hip hop and drum and bass and metal and reggae. All my, it's like all my favorite genres in one pot with a little bit of mix. And I fuck with it. So mm -hmm. I started making dubstep. Were you learning from like online tutorials? Man, there was no internet. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it was, when I was in the army, there was Wait, like... So how, did you have, so how did you get the program? I self-taught. Half of the shit that I did, no one did before me. Oh, but how did you get... What were you making music on? I fucking... This is how Neanderthal it was. I, I downloaded Fruity Loops because that's the shit that uh, I could find on a goddamn torrent website. And I started working on that. And uh, then I was like, oh, I heard about this program Cubase. It sounds more professional to me. So I downloaded Cubase. And I would just download illegally like hundreds of VSTs because it's oh this is synthesizers and then I just taught myself by mistakes how to do stuff and like my first successful song was me trying to sound like someone else and failing mm -hmm. do you have any peers around you who are making no nothing uh, I had no, uh, I had um, no help. So how did there you was even no know one about to study Cubase? From. In uh, in um, high school, we were uh, writing music to, uh, we were writing charts. So if you want to write music to a big band, you have to write a chart, mm -hmm. right? So we used uh, we used uh, computers to write the charts on a program called Encore. And the teacher that was teaching us how to use computers to write charts, he was kind of like a, a little bit into the electronic music world. And here and there, he would like show us some stuff. Like, yo, this program is called Reason. This program is called this. This program is called that. And I told you already in high school, I started making like trance and, mm -hmm. and hip hop. So I would sometimes like go to him and be like, yo, how do I do this? How do I do that? But very, 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 yeah. Let's say that when I uh, downloaded Cubase to make dubstep, I didn't know what's the difference between a reverb and a delay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what's a fucking EQ. I didn't know shit about shit. With your band itself, were you doing a lot of like local shows or? Yeah, we. I mean, not lots of them, and also. I feel like we had a great potential, um, but uh, the one thing that is hard, the more people you add into a project, the more complicated it is, you know? Because mm -hmm. you see with producing dubstep, I was, I had no clue about anything, but I just sat there down, figured it out. 
when you're in a band and you're telling them, yo, I want to be the next Lamb of God, you can practice 18 hours a fucking day, but they don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, also our singer turned super religious and wouldn't support the own lyrics that he wrote. Mm, he wouldn't wow. sing it anymore. Uh, I don't know, there was a lot of shit there. Um, was deathcore, like, was it really niche or was it slightly common in Tel Aviv? It's common. Oh, okay. It's common. I think it's common throughout Europe too. Uh, I think it was even common here back then, you know? Warp Tour was huge, you know? Mm -hmm. Fucking Rip Warp Tour, fucking last year, this year. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, back then, being a DJ didn't even exist, you know? People didn't even know, know about that. Like, EDM wasn't a thing. Dubstep wasn't a thing. Like, were you going under Borgar? Did you have a moniker before that? I had a couple names before it that I would never give anyone and no one will ever know. <laughs> and what made you decide to pull your energy into Borgar then? I just... I like how immediate and gratifying producing music was. I spent anywhere between a week to uh, six months on a song that I had full control on. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and post it on MySpace and get feedback. Simple. It's not like the metal thing, we had to like go to a studio and everyone had to record and everyone oh, yeah. had to be happy and everyone had their fucking opinion and maybe we should change this, maybe we should change that, whatever. It was, you know, here I had full control and immediate, like, I don't know. How did you even get your music out there? Like, how did people even find your MySpace? I was running bots like crazy. Really? Man, I, I understood social media before people understood social media. This is why my Facebook was before anyone had Facebook. SoundCloud before anyone had SoundCloud. I was... Let's say that the fucking... Being a computer geek boy was making his... Uh, was, was working for me. What I did is, with my MySpace, I would just had bought the runs millions of friends requests. This is like 12 years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just run a trail, a friend's request and I'll just have like new friends that check my music and all of a sudden this person and also like I had all this free time in the army and my last year in the army uh, I was mentally, I was, I was done. I, was, I could not do the army anymore, I was done. I was very, very much done. So I asked for a transfer and I got into the highest ranks uh, gym. That was my job. I was the gym supervisor for the highest ranks in the army. That's crazy. So they would come in 7 a.m. I would train them and then they would fuck off. And I'll have the whole day sitting there by myself. And one of the privileges was that the highest people in the army needs internet. So my, my gym computer had internet. So I would go to MySpace and literally go, okay, 
I'm gonna go and find 50 people in Germany. Ed. 50 people in England. Ed. Message this label, message that label, message this label, message this DJ, message that DJ. Fucking find promoters, send them my music. I was hustling on the internet non-fucking-stop like crazy. Wow. Back then people didn't realize the power of social media, you feel me? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I would I would tell my friends like, yo guys, I have like 5,000 plays every day on my MySpace. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, so what? Dude, this guy just had a show in Poland. I'm like, who cares about this one fucking show? I'm, I have more plays than this dude. He has like 200 plays. I have 5,000 plays. <laughs> Do you guys understand? They're like, no, we don't know. Uh, or I would go to labels. I'd be like, yo, the guy you just signed, the record you just signed has no place. My fucking record has millions of views on YouTube. Why don't you sign it? No, no, it's too controversial, too whatever, too what. But I'm like, yo, guys, do you understand the internet? This is where it's going, you know? And I'm talking to you back when, like, YouTube, the biggest fucking, like, a couple months before, the biggest video had 15 million views. People lost their shit. It was like a race car driver or some shit. I don't remember. Fucking Rebecca Black, my guy, <laughs> you know? The internet gave the option for me, an Israeli kid that is in the army, to put his music out and it was it was nice that it was unregulated mm. and it was honestly free and honestly clean of uh, interests you had fucking thousand people on your myspace you post something all of them see it you post something on facebook everyone sees it there's no you want to make a fucking bootleg song of britney spears Put it on your fucking YouTube. No one fucking cares, you know? Uh, and this is how I blew up. And I helped a lot of kids blow up, blow up this way. What my label did, Bygor, what me and my uh, man, man, right now manager back then, my label manager, what we, our concept was, we go on SoundCloud, we find this kid with the tons of plays that is good, the music is great. We're not gonna take bullshit. Because there was some, there was a lot of bullshit, you know. There was a, but we're gonna find the kid with tons of plays, with great music, and we're gonna sign him. We don't care he doesn't have a name. We don't care no one knows who he is. He has good music, he has plays, we sign him. We're gonna make sure he somehow blows up. Big labels didn't wanna hear about it, you know. And then, a couple of years later, that's exactly what the label's doing right now. If you don't have fucking millions of views on SoundCloud, they won't sign you. Mm -hmm. It's crazy like how now the internet is regulated, SoundCloud is dead, fucking mm -hmm. Facebook is making money of only... You have to make money... You, you have to put money in order for people to see your own posts, it's crazy. Um, and we're at the point that uh, the big labels gain, gain control on the market again. If you want to have... A, if you want to be a successful artist, you have to have a big label put you on their Spotify lists. Otherwise, it's a pretty, there's a lot of gatekeepers right now. Mm -hmm. It used to be an open market and now it's, it's not very open anymore. And then for, well, your own music back then, like how did you, so you just started gaining all this fan base and yep. views and then what was like the next step that got you momentum? 
Someone invited me to play a show and I showed up and I was the fucking headliner of the fucking festival. I was like, what the fuck? Like I played, I played two shows before that in my whole entire life. I wasn't even sure I have 60 minutes of music to play. I didn't know how, I barely know how to goddamn mix two songs together. And I'm in fucking Belgium playing to goddamn fucking thousands of kids. How long after, was that after you finished your army? Two, three months. Oh wow, so like kind of just like right after you already like catapulted this career. Yeah, I was, uh, I was straight in it. And then what did your like parents think initially of you like? Okay, so I made a deal with my parents. Most kids in Israel after they're done with the army, they would, uh, they would um, go to India or Thailand, get fucked up on drugs for a year, mm. clear their fucking head from all that. Because you have to understand, the army is low-key like being in prison. It's like you have no rights. You deal with people you don't want to deal with. It, it's, it's the fucking worst. And, and in my case, at least I didn't have to go. I got mortared a couple of times. But I didn't, I wasn't like in actual, I wasn't standing in a goddamn house shooting at someone and someone's shooting RPGs at me, you know? Uh, so at least in that aspect, I wasn't that fucked, you know? But kids finished the army fucked. They're fucked. They're 18 years old and they just went through goddamn fucking hell. So they go to India, they go to Thailand, they go to some fucking places to clear their heads, whatever. Uh, so I told my parents, listen, I'm not going to fly to anywhere. I'm not going to take any vacation or anything. I'm going to stay home, write music, and become a DJ. And you'll give me a year, and I'll prove it to you. And if that doesn't work, I'll go to university. That was the deal. Because right, uh, right after the army, like a month after the army, I was already rolled into university. I was doing my tests and everything. And I was like, mom, listen. My test sucks because I'm doing music, and my music sucks because I'm doing tests. I cannot focus on both. So they gave me that year um, to make music and travel. And my traveling wasn't uh, wasn't always uh, financially beneficial. Like I would play shows just to cover my flights in a hotel, and most of the time just sleep in the promoter's house, which was another fucking 18 year old kid that just does drugs out of his fucking, you know, I, was, I, I, I lived in crack dens for fucking first year of my career because that was the promoters, dude. It was just a bunch of kids that wanted to flex on some chicks or someone else in the city so they would invite whoever big in the internet right now. And I had to fucking sleep on their couch. Soon after, like, start finding like a team, like managers, um, and they're, are they also from Israel? I ran into my managers by mistake. I didn't know there's such a thing. I was pretty happy managing myself. Then my manager put me in a booking agency. All of a sudden, my fees were like three or four times more. I was staying in hotels instead of someone's house. Oh, hell yeah, I fuck with this. Uh, and shit just kept rolling from there. Mm -hmm. How did it click for you to do your branding initially? Like even all the booty stuff or the pictures? I was basing everything off what I see on MTV and what I grew up as. And
and I was listening to Ludacris. All his first albums uh, are, to me, essentially the same stuff that I sing about, you know? Uh, I was listening to Dr. Jane Snoop Dogg, you know, stuff like Bitches Ain't Shit, but Hoes and Tricks, <laughs> or whatever, whatever, you know, that's the music I grew up on. I didn't know anything else. There was no internet. I was like, okay, this is what's big. That's what works. That's mm -hmm. cool. Fuck it all. That's the music I'll make, you know? Yeah. Um, How about, like, pictures? Man, I just... There was no internet. I based everything on what I've seen mm. on MTV. <laughs> Straight. Strictly. <laughs> what I've, that's, that was my... I was sitting in the gym in the, in the army watching 20 fucking hours on MTV. Whatever was successful there was whatever was my guideline. Mm -hmm. What did your parents think about the pictures? I grew up in a very liberal house. I found a Kama Sutra when I was like 40 years old. My mom was like trying to explain to me and I was like, no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, sorry, fourth grade. Uh, but um, I grew up in a, a very liberal household. Sex is, uh, was never, uh, was never something we don't talk about. Uh, always, uh, I grew up in a very liberal city, Tel Aviv. Uh, I grew up in a high school that everyone was gay and sexual, you know, mm -hmm. it's, so, I don't know, it was just very liberal Yeah. growing up. Looking back kind of recently, what are your thoughts on your jazz album? Like, do you think it was like, took you too long to put out, because you've been doing jazz for all these years, or do you think it was the perfect time, the reaction? Uh, Everything I do is natural, and that was just natural to put it out now, so it's the right time, you know? Mm -hmm. And you might do more of those coming out? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'll come out with a metal album, or polka, or whatever. I'm going back to Israel, I'm going to sit down with my sister, we said we're going to write some music. I might record an album, Kajia's album, I might not, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you asked me a week ago, I would tell you we're working on an album right now. So, so my management think I should make an album. And if you're asking me right now, we're probably gonna go with EP. Mm -hmm. If you ask me next week, I'll tell you singles. And you have me ask me the next week, I'll be like, oh, an album. You know, it's just <laughs> there's no plan. Yeah. How do you say your music has changed since the early songs you made? Um. I think uh, my first songs were literally a person that don't know and he's trying to explore and there was a lot of like untraditional things, it, beautiful, it, was, it was beautiful and natural and uh, And it's uh, yeah. I, I wish I still. Uh, I, I wish I still didn't know. You know. I wish I didn't know. Cause now I know. Now I know. Woo! <laughs> he did kill that. Oh my god. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is attacking me? Uh, 
this interview being full of uh, <laughs> surprises. Yeah. Um, is this what always happens? I've seen a lot of stuff happen. Boombox Hotel, there was a car crash right in front of us. Like, I've seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> Jesus. The problem right now is that when you're so many years into it, when you're young, from a, from a lyrical perspective, you don't give a single fuck. Dude, you live, I lived in Tel Aviv, I didn't care about anything. There, there was no, um, there was no, yeah, English, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> yeah. There was no, uh, okay, next thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, from, from a music perspective, I used to write songs that were in stupid BPMs, retarded structures, just completely like, I brought shit from trance, I brought shit from metal. It was just, it made no sense, but it was beautiful. Sounded like shit. Now my music is more fine. It sounds professional. It sounds mm -hmm. like I know what I'm doing, whatever, whatever. But I make a 16-bar intro because I need, because I know that when DJs play, they need a 16-bar intro. There's no like, there's no like, you know, there's no. It kind of takes the creativity away. You feel mm -hmm. me? Yeah. I just I, I do stuff naturally. Or, or it's natural, you know. But I do it because I now know things that I didn't know back then. And it kind of kills the creativity. How would you say you've grown as a person since the early days when you were DJing? I'm fucking tired. <laughs> That's what I am. Mm. Uh, <laughs> just really tired. Yeah. Uh, not 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 just uh, not uh, only physically, also mentally. I'm tired. You know, it's. Uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. Uh, I used to... Drake says it's great. Drake is very good at this. He says... I still love it, but I used to love it more. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I love the parties. I love the environment. I fucking love making music. But there's some things that I'm just... Dude, I'm over it. What does love mean to you? Love is a tough one. Um, we don't really love anything. Uh, I love my family. The only thing that is absolute is that I love my family. Everything else changes. Mm. No? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You used to uh, be a fashion photographer. Yeah. Now you're doing interviews, what happened? I guess, yeah, music gave me like more answers, more answers and I learned more. So now you love something else, right? Yeah. How many uh, boyfriends or girlfriends did you have in your life? Like very few, like one or two. But also changed, right? Yeah. You don't love them anymore. You, you love them, but you don't love them anymore, right? Mm -hmm. How many bands did you listen to that you don't listen to anymore? A lot, yeah. Exactly. Love is a... Uh, Fucking, it's an addictive 
chemical that uh, we sometimes run out of and then we look for it somewhere else. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Man, I don't care. Dude, uh, I, I always give the same example. Genghis Khan conquered the whole fucking world. Yeah. Nine out of fucking ten people in the street, I'll ask them who the fuck is Genghis Khan. They won't have any fucking idea. Or Julius Caesar. You know, like, dude, this guy's did a little bit more than I will ever accomplish. Dude. Steve Jobs in 100 years from now will be Isaac Newton. Mm. You know, someone that made a huge progress but will, you know, will be insignificant 100 years from now and extremely insignificant, like in millions of years from now, it's going to be, oh, the prehistoric person that invented the fire. You know, we don't even know his fucking name. You feel me? Mm. The only thing is important, the memory is not important. What's important is while you're still present to be the best you can, that's that. That's the only thing. Yeah. Memory is insignificant. I love it. This was awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, guys.